Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod, and David inquired at the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 7 and 8. David had been anointed and proclaimed God's chosen king by the prophet Samuel when he was but a boy. God had moved mightily through him in the slaying of Goliath and many victories shortly thereafter. Then all of a sudden Saul gets jealous and starts trying to kill him. So then David finds himself cast out of the palace and is running for his life hiding in caves and wilderness places. At this point, David could have given up and lost faith, but instead he prayed and communed with God in the silence of these lowly unseen places until God began to manifest himself to him, sending new vision, encouragement, men, and provision toward the promise that he had given. Over time, David finds himself forced to live among the Philistines for a season in the territory of a Philistine man named Achish. David and his men served Achish in his territory well and grew to have great favor with him. Then after such a long period of God's promise to David to be king of Israel, seeming to go in the opposite direction, one final relentless shaking began to happen. Samuel dies. The very man who had prophesied and anointed David, declaring him to be the king of God's choosing, is gone, and David has still not obtained that position. Furthermore, in this moment, the armies of the Philistines, of whom David is with, have risen up against Saul and the armies of Israel. David and his men stand with this Philistine army against Saul, even though David has repeatedly refused to kill Saul many times before, stating that he is the Lord's anointed and he will not raise a hand against him, for it is the Lord that appointed him, and it is the Lord who will remove him. Yet does David faithfully serve under Achish, and desires to fight with him. But the men of the Philistine territories see him, and insist that he and his men be sent away from this battle. They make it well known that they are not welcome to stand with them in this. They don't trust him. Even though David insists that they check his record and faithfulness. But alas, again, he is rejected by those over him. So he and his men depart and return home. But what they don't know is that the Amalekite had attacked the city in which David and his men had been living, burning it to the ground and taking all of their wives and children so that David gets home from being rejected yet again to utter destruction, and then his own men begin to turn on him. Grieved with the loss of their wives and children and every earthly possession, David's men desire to stone him. Therefore, yet again is David faced with tough decisions. He can trust in his tired flesh and quit believing in this crazy thing that has only seemed to bring him untold difficulties. He can trust in his emotions or his soul and run and hide and save his own life. 
or he can keep trusting in the Lord God Almighty, who can do anything. Seek him for the next move. Get a new, fresh, on-time word from the throne. Believe it and keep going. And that's exactly what he did. He called for the priests not to bring him a prophet, as Saul always did. Not to bring him a word, but to bring him the ephod. The ephod was something that the priest of God used to communicate with God personally. Not unlike we use the Bible and the prayer closet to hear from him in a personal way today. David didn't ask for anyone else to speak to him. He went straight to the one who had truly anointed him. God. While all of this was happening, Saul had strayed so far away from God in his continually disobeying the words that were spoken to him by God through the mouths of the prophets that God had simply stopped speaking to him altogether. God will not keep speaking to those who choose not to listen when he does. We are to serve him, not him. Serve us. So that in this shaky season, Saul got so scared and desperate when he saw the Philistine army standing against him that he actually sought a necromancer to summon up Samuel to give him counsel. The very same witches that he himself had driven out of the land in his former days of obedience. While David was talking to God, Saul was using witchcraft to talk to familiar spirits. My friend, how serious a thing. When we compromise with sin, it will take you into worse agreements than you could ever imagine. Samuel's spirit harshly rebukes Saul for this and tells him that for it, this is it. For both him and his sons, judgment has come and they won't survive it. While God himself tells David to keep fighting, Go and pursue this enemy, and you shall recover all that they have taken. You see, the ironic thing about this is that this Amalekite army that David was now facing was the same that Saul had disobeyed God in not destroying. Because of his refusal to obey, God had told him that he would take the kingdom away and give it to his neighbor. And this was the day that it was going to happen. All at one time, after so long of seeming unattended by God, it all came together in a moment no one saw coming. Samuel had announced the stripping of Saul and had anointed David. After much time, he died, and the Amalekite returned, and David deals with them as God had once told Saul to. At the same time, Saul falls in battle to the Philistine who David had defeated and then had even managed to make an allegiance with, and then all was completed. David had recovered all. He had been faithful to Saul. He had been faithful to Achish. He had been faithful to God. Yet of all of them, only God was faithful to him. Yet in the great depths and completeness of God's faithfulness, did he use even the unfaithfulness of the men around David to position him for greatness and fulfill his promise to him? Our God is indeed 
faithful to the end. My friend, don't ever attribute the unfaithfulness of men to God concerning his promises. He will finish what he started. Keep believing. Keep fighting. What seems like rejection may just be God moving you from wrong alliances, situations, and positions and pushing you to the place of promise. Because if he spoke it, it is still coming. And usually, when you least expect it, sometimes it's even when you feel the most defeated. You see, God knows what he's doing. He always has a reason. David could not have been part of the battle that killed Saul that day. Because in truth, he probably would have defended him and prevented it. Nevertheless, even if he didn't, it was best for it to be said that Saul was removed by God's hand rather than David's. So did God send David to fight a seemingly smaller battle that in the end actually set the stage for his kingship and financed his transition into it? So don't get discouraged. God knows what he is doing. No matter how hopeless things may seem, no matter how far you think you are from God's promises, no matter how unseen, unbelieved, unwanted, or rejected, don't be led of your flesh, soul, or emotions. Be led of God's spirit. Learn to get a word from him personally, like David did, and trust it. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought hither the ephod unto David, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths, just like he did for David. But the verse continues with a warning that Saul would have done good to read and to heed. It says, Yet but be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. For this shall be health to you and marrow to your bones. O Lord, help us to be like David, who did not lean upon his own understanding, but sought you personally for a word from heaven before he took any action. And let us not be like Saul, who trusted in his own logic or intellect or in his impulses that he was eventually led of familiar spirit. We read an interesting thing in Second Chronicles chapter 30, verse 18, concerning Hezekiah, the godly king. It says, Hezekiah prayed for the people of Israel, saying, The good Lord pardon every one that prepareth his heart to seek God. For the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary... And as he prayed this, the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. I find this very interesting that Hezekiah prayed and petitioned God, saying that every person who was willing to seek the Lord, that God would forgive and would cleanse them, even though they were guilty of sin. 
And so we ask ourselves, why was David forgiven of his sins, but Saul not forgiven of his? And I think that one of Saul's biggest problems was that he stopped seeking the Lord and trusted in every other voice but his. He hearkened unto the people. He listened to his own lust. He trusted in men and prophets and eventually witches and unclean spirits while David laid hold of God in weeping prayerful repentance and didn't let go until he got it, which proved where his faith and hope of salvation was. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 tells us this, that without faith it is impossible to please God, and that those that come to God must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Saul was worried about holding on to the kingdom. David was worried about holding on to God. And for it, Saul lost God and the kingdom. And David secured both of them. Because David understood this, that if you have God, you have everything. So seek him with all of your heart. Never let anything else come before. Love and trust him and he will turn everything that the enemy means for your harm into glory. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 30 we read this, Wherefore if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, For what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all of these things. But rather yet seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things shall be added unto you. This is the truth that David knew. Again, Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And again, my friend, this is why I say Saul's greatest sin was that he stopped seeking. For as it is written so plain and clearly in Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 14, of the king Rehoboam, that he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. You see, my friend, the wisdom nor the righteousness is in us. Therefore, if we do not seek the Lord, then what we offer is as corrupted as Saul's armor. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.